0: Hi, I'm Jeff Ray, your host for Economic Outlook. Welcome to our program. We're back in the studio today for another great show. We hope you make plans to join us each week as we discuss the region's most important economic development initiatives with a panel of experts. A group of diverse public, private, nonprofit leaders in Southwest Michigan have come together to identify and advocate for transformational initiatives in Bering County that will help drive community and economic growth and improve the quality of life. You'll hear firsthand from a couple of those key leaders, from that effort, and hear about the progress they're making coming up on Economic (music) Outlook. Leaders in Berrien County have learned the power of collective impact as they work together to drive economic growth and improve quality of life in southwest Michigan. Today, we're taking a closer look at those transformational efforts with John Prose, the Executive Director of the Southwest Michigan Strategic Leadership Council, and Todd Gustafson, the Chief Executive Officer of Conexus. Guys, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Great to be here, thanks. Yeah, Todd, you're an old pro. We appreciate you coming back. John, we're going to break you in today, your first uh, time with us uh, here. So we're looking for a great discussion. You guys are both doing some terrific work in Southwest Michigan, and we'd love the chance to just talk a little bit about it. Uh, John, we'll start with you. Uh, so if somebody doesn't know, mm-hmm. hasn't heard of the strategic Leadership Council. Just give us a highlight of sort of what, what it is. You bet. And first, I want to be very careful because Todd is a board member of the <gasps> Strategic Leadership Council, too. So
1: His favorite board member. Okay. that's right. His yes, favorite I board like member. This. I want to make sure that we do a really good Today. job. Right. <laughs> uh,
2: the Strategic Leadership Council is, is the inception of the former chairman and chief executive officer of Whirlpool Corporation and then the president of Lakeland Health, um, which, of course, now is Corwell Health with many different acquisitions for, for the health system in southwest Michigan. And, and They recognized that a collective impact organization that aligns the the many disparate organizations in Berrien County coming together to see economic growth, to see an increase in wages, to see better graduation rates, to see growing economic benefit for all of the community, all of the communities in Berrien County. How can we see a greater uh, engagement amongst all of those disparate organizations? And so when you pull all of those people together and all of those CEOs together, of which Todd is one, then the CEOs themselves can have a really high level talk about what kind of data are we looking at to identify success or failure. And are we beginning to move the needle in some of those areas that give us the chance to to begin to see that rising tide for all of Southwest Michigan's families, men, women, folks who come to the community from outside, uh, look to retire. But what about all those other folks that are here already anyway, too, and the growth that we want to see? So really, the, the, the hope is, is that we can have that collective impact by ans- asking big questions about transportation, uh, uh, asking big questions about labor talent supply chain, which is what today's conversation mm-hmm. really is mm-hmm. intended to be. And when we align all of those organizations, can we then do so in a way that isn't anecdotal, though that's important, but instead is data-driven, so that we all are speaking from the exact same set of data We can agree that this is truth and then we can move towards what solutions to some of those truths are. And some of the the bitter pills of truth in this labor supply
0: chain is, is going to be difficult to talk about. We're going to have to figure out ways to solve that in Southwest Michigan. Great on come your way, so uh, uh, like I said, you've been on before, so people know Connexus, but somebody who
1: hasn't seen that before, tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. what Connexus does. Well, thanks for having, having me back, Jeff. Um, I'm sure I drew in a lot of viewers Ye- and that that's you want exactly to we invited you for yes. another um, presentation. They've been asking for a long time. <laughs> I
0: finally was able to squeeze you into your busy schedule. Uh, you know.
1: uh, Connexus Group is an economic uh, workforce and, and community development nonprofit that's headquartered in uh, Benton Harbor. We have statewide services and programs across the across Michigan. And, uh, and I'm fortunate enough to be on the SLC and, and, kind of, and, and hopefully uh, help that group move the region forward. And, and John's maybe being a little humble, but show, show us a community in the country that is mm-hmm. vibrant and thriving, and we'll show you a community that collaborates and works together and is asking the big questions John mentioned. And, and that's what we're, we're trying to do is move Southwest Michigan first, uh, uh, Southwest Michigan forward right. um, on the, some of these issues. So
0: Great. John, let's talk about the collaboration for a second. Yeah. So, you, so, you, you, uh, so who are some of the, um, not, not specific people as much, but the, who's at the table? Who's part of this, um, sure. th- of this overall effort? Sure. Uh, there's a recognition that our local municipalities need mm-hmm. to be at the table mm-hmm. for
2: what is called our best practices committee. Um, the chief elected officials, as well as some of the appointed officials, both at the county level and each of our, th- of our municipalities, um, 39 total municipalities in Berrien County alone. If we can draw them together to work cooperatively, uh, for example, the Marquette Greenway of, of of the trail system here in Northwest Indiana and Southwest Michigan is a big success. Connecting the, the, the Marquette Greenway to the rest of Berrien County is a dream. And in fact, there's a very well-devised master plan to, to work towards that. But you can't do a trail system in linear parks, if you will, without being able to work from one municipality to the next. So it's as much relationship development as anything else. And then, of course, you can imagine all of the top employers that we have um, from municipalities then right into some of our largest manufacturers. And, and we have a, a really unique sort of situation too. Berrien County has some of the highest rates of nuclear engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, not surprising when you consider the DC Cook nuclear plant from Indiana, Michigan Power. And then just up north in South Haven, many of our residents in Berrien County still work at the Palisades nuclear plant, which now is owned by Holtec. In part, uh, potentially the decommissioning or potentially restarting it is a big conversation. So we're still gonna be an amazing draw for that kind of talent. That's a very high level talent, but at the same time, all of those talented people come with the needs to have many other industries a part of it. So we're represented amongst uh, about 125 different top leaders of both non-governmental organizations, not-for-profits, and for-profit organizations. That CEO group itself then becomes the strategic leadership
0: council. Wow. Great. And so, Todd, let's let's maybe start to get more into some of the detail piece. And so, so so you're playing in the workforce space, not a a lot of Help Wanted signs uh, out there, employers, uh, or one or two, maybe. Uh, talk about really the, maybe the state of workforce, if you will, in Southwest Michigan. What's the picture look like today?
1: Um, well, Let's pick a point in time yeah. and measure it moving forward, right? Sure. So if we go pre-COVID to today, um, like anywhere in the country, we have suffered people that have gotten uh, dropped out of the labor force, right? And, and they has been primarily uh, women or people of color, and that's no different in Southwest Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that don't have a high school diploma um, or, or less. That's the group that has kind of been missing. And that's really important to Southwest Michigan is to get them back on, off the bench into the workforce because we have a declining population. We are generally older than the state of Michigan, which is the 10th oldest state mm-hmm. in, the, in the country. Um, and our educational attainment is lower than the rest of Michigan, which is again, lower than uh, the rest of the country. So those are really significant issues, which John is kind of alluding to, that we need to uh, recognize, acknowledge, and then what are we gonna do to kind of address those issues? So we've been grappling with that in Southwest Michigan uh, moving forward. And so what, what, what can we do? Uh, to address some of these issues is really what we're here to talk about today and kind of figure uh, and espouse what we've been working on as a group.
0: John, you touched in your opening Mm -hmm. a little bit about um, the data and how, how, you know, speak a little bit about, you know, why having good data is so critical to this decision-making process or into, you know, kind of putting the right initiatives together.
2: If we can all agree on what is truth in that data, and there's competing sets of data also, Mm -hmm. right? So, helping to coordinate all of that um, may not be one individual organization within the Strategic Leadership Council's collective impact organization as a whole. They may not have the ability to 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 draw all of those different disparate data points together and then create a a level set of truth. From there, very clearly it's process-oriented, right? Okay, we all agree that this is the data that we have right now. Declining population in Berrien County, declining number of individuals that have beyond a high school diploma, or a declining number of folks who don't even have a high school diploma or GED. What is the status right now of, of our high tech industries? Do we have pe- So once we de- determine what the data set is, and we agree that that's truth, then you have to determine what the questions you want to ask. In some ways, and, and one of our colleagues has used the phrase, that, what do we want to be when we grow up? I'm not sure that we know that answer yet, mm-hmm. do we want to be a, a tourist and hotel restaurant sort of engagement in Berrien County, but that would belie the fact that Berrien County also has a very strong agricultural base and background. Agritourism is growing, so there's a Mm. connectivity point. Mm. Maybe there's a place to add to that. But then at the same time, we happen to also be, not just nuclear engineers, we happen to also be well beyond uh, the number of individuals who participate in metal forming, metal stamping, engagement in, in the auto industry's supply chain. So have we looked at what the age limits are gonna be on that? How long before we run through our average age population of the workers in manufacturing right now is 42 and a half in Berrien County. So how much longer will that exist?
1: you, you You know this from your work around here. Uh, there are four, three or four sectors that drive the economy and mm-hmm. the health of it right and as John alluded to manufacturing is one manufacturing is the largest mm-hmm. in terms of the number of employed uh, the gross domestic product and this regional sales um, and so that, that that has been a very healthy industry but they like ever, others are struggling mm-hmm. for finding talent not just finding talent but also upskilling the existing talent. The other one is a healthcare uh, healthcare second, uh, hospitality and leisure as he's alluding to as well. And so there's a mix of that. So there might be some intersecting issues that we look at the data points that can drive them them all forward. Not to go into the great deep weeds around this stuff. Big picture, we gotta understand the demand and the supply, and we recognize there are some gaps between those two, and what can we collectively through the the colleges and the training providers and the school districts um, do to make sure we're meeting the current and future demand for these industries. And I know, you know one of the, the, the companies we're gonna highlight through here, right, is doing some really cool, unique work. And they're at the intersection of manufacturing and kind of the transformation from automotive to, to the electric vehicle and others, and automation and other companies. So it's, it's super exciting stuff. But if you're a region that doesn't pay attention to this, you will fall behind because it's a competition. Right. And there isn't a region in,
2: in, in America that isn't trying to figure this out right Brown. now. Yeah. And what I don't want to see happen is is us to fail to recognize that what happens in Northeast Indiana and in Southwest Michigan is interdependent upon each other. Yeah. If you use the phrase moving yeah. the chairs around on the, on the Titanic, right? Brown. Well, instead of it being quite so devastating, instead, I, I don't think we want to see just simply Poaching across the state line—we're right. in competition every day—but poaching across the state line doesn't grow the pie, right. doesn't grow the opportunity for us to attract new and 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 diverse industries that can help to augment what we already have as really solid industries in Southwest Michigan. Um, if if we simply lose all of that talent across the border or someplace else, it, it's no value right. to anybody at the end of the day. Um, it, one of one of our uh, uh, one of our superintendents in public schools made the statement that oh yeah, we found our teachers. We just took them from another district. Right, yeah. That's, an, that's yeah. an insufficient response to what I think is a really big problem, which is how can we be recognizing where we need to put the right kind of talent um, and the right kind of training in place to be an attractive place. At the end of the day, our economic developers, like Cornerstone Alliance mm-hmm. and Rob Cleveland, yeah. can very quickly then respond to that and say, hey, you Corporation X, you're looking for this kind of talent. We already have identified and are in the process of spinning up that talent right now through our community colleges, through our universities, through our attraction and retention tools. Um, and then you put a dashboard to that so that we can all look to that target and say, are we meeting that target? Do we did we get the 30 different nuclear engineers we need to have yeah. in Southwest Michigan?
1: And, and, you, and you know from your work that that's one of the first questions that these companies Absolutely. ask, yeah. especially when they're expanding or relocating to a place can I find the people I need mm-hmm. to work right. here? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so, guys, we're
0: going to hold this conversation for a second, take a quick time out. We're going out into the field. We're going to go uh, take a look at uh, the, uh, one of those companies that you mentioned that's doing some great things in Southwest Michigan. George Lepiniotis, my co-host, is out there. George, let me toss it to you.
3: Thanks, Jeff. I'm in Bridgman, Michigan, my very own hometown, so I'm always excited and eager to come back. I'm joined today by Steve Jackson, COO of Eagle Technologies. Steve, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Steve, we are standing on the balcony overlooking your plant, and I know this is your conference room and your office center, but uh, before we get to what's going on behind us, let's talk a little bit about you and Eagle Technologies. What is Eagle Technologies?
4: Eagle Technologies is an automation integrator for fac- factory floor applications. Uh, we build basically automated systems to replace manual lab- labor in the factory setting.
3: Got it. And so when we see pictures of modern-day assembly lines with robotic arms and automatically moving parts, that's where you guys That's us. In. All right. Well, that's a great thing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the history, because I, being from Bridgman, understand the history of the manufacturing base that's that's kind of fertile in this area. But, but Eagle didn't necessarily end up here by accident, did you?
4: No. We started as... Uh Eagle came out of the, the early Weldon Corporation days. Um, Weldon was sold to Bosch, then sold to another company, and eventually Eagle bought it, and it, it became the factory that you see today. Yeah,
3: and Weldon was one of the early pioneers in this automation industry, back even before computers necessarily, where the, the automation and the movements were still mechanically controlled. That's correct. Yeah. And so, speaking of that computer that changed the industry, if I, if I understand your history, mm-hmm. as you progress now and you find yourself in tiny Bridgman, Michigan, I know in the studio, Jeff and the guests are talking a little bit more about the challenges that you have with your workforce. Yes. Uh, how is it that you staff a facility building such massive automation systems for some of the world's largest companies?
4: Well, uh, staffing is a challenge. However, we're fortunate here in Southwest Michigan to have a a rich history of tool making and machining that uh, came back, goes back to probably immigration to the area. Um, We are able to um, recruit um, and educate some of the local um, high school graduates and people looking for a career uh, to be machinists or uh, pneumatics, uh, assemblers, mechanical assemblers, or electricians.
3: Okay. I affectionately used to refer to them as the kids that love to play with Legos and erector sets, right? But nowadays it's even more advanced than that. So as, as you're looking to these young people who are, who are potentially interested in the career, what is their path? How do they go about learning the trade or, or, or looking into this as an opportunity for their career?
4: Um, through some of the community colleges, we have what's called a pre-apprenticeship program where they get a chance to explore three, four different disciplines within uh, what we're looking for and then make a decision on the path that they want to go, whether it's a mechanical assembler or a pneumatics assembler or electrician or be a machinist.
3: Got it. And how long would that program generally take and what does it involve for a young person who might be interested in pursuing that path? It's a four-year
4: program Um, there is obviously uh, the Hanson Center at Lake Michigan College is one of the areas that we get our, uh, our participants educated and then they go to work during the day go take class in the evenings and then we have a summer program that gets It's a 10-week program that I think eliminates a year's worth of content so they can accelerate it by getting into
3: that program. And I take it the sooner they accelerate it, the sooner they get done with the program, the sooner they can get full-time employment. And the wages, the salaries that these people are making, is pretty impressive, isn't it?
4: It is. However, um, they are full-time employees usually of Eagle prior to finishing the apprenticeship. We hire them full-time. They're paid full wage. They're paid... Um, they, they get full benefits as if they're an employee, and we pay for their school and, and any of their study
3: activities. <laughs> That's quite the opportunity for many. Uh, you talked about the Eagle Hanson, uh, the, the Hansen Technology Center, mm-hmm. that uh, traces its roots back to Merlin Hanson, uh, one of the pioneers of the industry, founder of Weldon, how is that center set up and do, do, what is your involvement with it? Have you, does it really train these young people to do what they're doing here?
4: It does. It is more of the bricks and mortar schooling that they take. They take classes in machine tool. They take classes in pneumatics. They take classes in electronics and electrical assembly. Um, they basically educate them while we are giving them the on-the-job training.
3: Got it. At any given time? How many of these apprentices are here at Eagle?
4: We have a few a little over 30 apprentices active right now. We just had a nice graduating class and every year we bring in uh, a graduating class anywhere from two years ago was one of our largest 21 and uh, um, every year we recruit out of the high schools and uh, and people that are looking to start a career later in life.
3: Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks for your time today. Thanks for showing us around. It's really impressive what uh, can happen in such a small community, and uh, especially when you get creative with your resources, right? Yes, it was my pleasure, George. Thank, Thank you. you. Jeff, back to you in the studio, where I'm sure you're gonna talk more about uh, some of the programs that exist to help the businesses in and around our entire community solve one of their biggest challenges, getting people to join the crew.
0: George, thank you. Appreciate that inside look. Todd, you were right. What a great, uh, great spot to visit there, and I'm glad we had a chance to highlight it for um, for our viewers. John, let me come back your way. So, uh-huh. so think about you know this work, this collective impact. You are focused on a lot of different things. What you know, kind of what's the catalyst to um, get this work going? So it was a few years ago that the the question
2: about housing um, kind of erupted at the board level and. I neglected to mention that, that Jeff is also one of our board members. <laughs> exactly right. So we appreciate your Sorry, engagement yeah. and the extra work that you put in for the Strategic Leadership Council. But what's interesting and unique was we didn't come at the, the question about housing um, from a, an analysis perspective right out of the gate. We, we asked the question, what, are the, what is the data that we're using and does that data give us some idea of really where the problems are? We found, for example, that there, in this in the data set itself is that some of our obsolete housing was so obsolete that it is completely unusable. But folks are living in homes like that, right? It's probably no different in South Bend Elkhart, uh, Laporte, Michigan City. This is pretty traditional in the Midwest, right? Mm -hmm. That we see a lot of obsolete housing. But what we didn't have was an understanding that, that it is pervasive in almost all of our communities. Now we've got a little better understanding that led to a series of questions. The questions then led to answers like, hey, can we do some more density? Can we change some of the regulations at the municipal level to allow for that? Which then led to, well, can we repeat this tool? Can we continue to repeat it so that we have updated information? We're in the process of doing that right now at the Strategic Leadership Council so that we begin to see how the, the COVID impact has, has influenced the housing market. We believe there's been a lot of new mm-hmm. people that have moved in from the Chicagoland area, but do we know that that's true? So it's from there then we lead to the next question. Well, we know we need lots of new housing, right? If we need lots of new housing, how are we gonna get there? Which led to this question about the data set around supply demand in the labor force. Mm.
1: Who's gonna gonna build it? Who's gonna build it? Do we have enough um, plumbers and electricians and carpenters and All aging industries. Yeah, Yeah, all all aging. How in the world can
2: we answer that question Mm. if we haven't backed up one more step and said, who is going to actually help to build our housing? So if we know that that's the case, it it requires, I think, a a broader view of the entire market segment itself, not just the housing or manufacturing side of it, but manufacturing, housing, who do we want to be in Berrien County when it comes down to um, agriculture, uh, agritourism, tourism and industries that surround it, service industries and so forth. Um, And that really led to this question of labor supply chain and where do we fit in that that cross-section of demand and supply.
0: So let us, come your way, because because this is your space that you play in every day. In our last, you know, four minutes, or so. so so talk about the the tools or the information that that you're pulling together. I, how are how do we get the people we need to to solve John's problem there and you have about 60 seconds to answer yeah, all right big picture yeah. right? right
1: you're talking about the sectors right if you're talking about construction or if you're talking about manufacturing you break it down in the subsections of those sectors right yeah. so for manufacturing what are the sub subsectors of importance mm-hmm. right electrical equipment appliance and component manufacturing that's tier one what's tier two plastics and rubber products manufacturing what's tier three primary metal manufacturing okay and you break it how what is the what is the existing need from employers and what is their projected need, right? So if you're talking about in manufacturing, trans- transferring to electric vehicle manufacturers, do you have the existing skill sets on your team now? And if not, what do you need in the future? That's the same for the construction industry, right? And that's that's pretty static. So I, I, the, the matter of the fact here is, We don't have enough people that are working in construction to be able to build the houses. So what do we do to recruit people interested in those occupations? Mm -hmm. Where do they go to get trained? Who's helping offset the costs for that training? And most importantly, at the end of the day, are they getting a job? And who's hiring them? Mm -hmm. So it's it's aligning all those, which John is uh, referring to. and You can replicate that in any of these sectors. Construction and housing happens to be one of those. Transportation and infrastructure could be another one as well for Southwest Michigan, and of course, manufacturing, healthcare, and so forth.
2: Right, And we've just heard too, Jeff, uh, the the huge amount of monies that are coming in on infrastructure, but the mismatch right now for the number of people available to do those jobs. Right. So we're gonna see a lot of orange barrels over the decade ahead. But do we have folks that are actually on the job site to do that in an efficient manner? And ultimately, what does it do? It drives up the overall cost for the product itself, because you now have an inflated cost structure to be able to produce the same amount of value in the infrastructure improvement. We just
0: have a lot of work to do to understand
2: what our labor supply chain supply demand issues are. Yeah.
0: So, so John, maybe I'll give you last word, at last minute or so. Talk a little bit about just some, mm-hmm. uh, what's next? Some of the key milestones that, that we as a community should, should be watching for in, in the work that happens So ahead. the
2: key milestones for us at the Strategic Leadership Council is, is first to get the data sets mm-hmm. underway. Um, This has been approved at the board level, you both have been aware of it, and we know that this is something that's really, really important. Uh, After that, it's, it's a matter then of the subcommittees of all of the different individuals at the community level understanding the data and agreeing first on this as truth.
1: And the most, the most difficult part of that will be projecting the demand. Yes. Mm-hmm. You yes. can have an anecdotal conversation with an employer and right. get some general that's right. data out of it, but it has to be it has to be more rigorous than just that.
2: Sure, that's exactly yeah. right. And then mm-hmm. once we start to determine what those answers are, um, what some of the solutions to it are, we can then start to hold accountability for some of the training, some of the educational opportunities, some of the attraction and talent uh, retention sort of tools that might exist at the economic developer level. Once you start to put those out on a dashboard of success or failure, we can start to look at progress being made on a quarterly, biannual basis in our our strategic leadership summits. And
0: that'll give us a chance to work together towards solving these problems. Good, so, some terrific work, guys. Thank you so much for giving us a snapshot of it today. We'll be watching with success and look forward to being uh, participating in that discussion as well, too. Appreciate it, thank you. That's yeah, it for our it. show today. Thank you for watching on WNIT or listening to our podcast. To watch this episode again or any of our past episodes, you can find Economic Outlook at WNIT.org or find our podcast on most major podcast platforms. We also encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Jeff Ray, I'll see you next week.
3: WNIT local production has been made possible in part by viewers like you. Thank you.